Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we reflect on your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit helps us to unpack what the readings that we heard earlier mean for us. Help us to see more clearly what it means to be your disciples, to live in this world following you with our eyes focused on our future. Loving Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift that you have given us of faith. A faith that reminds us that we are loved. A faith that reminds us that we have a future with you. A future where you'll continue to love us. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. As I mentioned at the start of the service, today's focus is the the focus for your life. I'm not quite sure where your focus is. If I was to ask you, what is your focus in life? What's important for you? I'm not quite sure what you'd have. But one of the things I know is that whatever your focus is in life, that will affect you. It'll affect how you go about life now. It'll affect your decisions. It'll affect your attitude. It'll affect how you gain happiness. It'll affect how you relate to other people. It'll affect how you respond to things. It even affects how you respond to church and to Jesus. A number of years ago when I went to visit somebody who had disconnected from the church and we had a conversation, it was a good conversation, but the conversation came up and said, why have you disconnected? Why have you stopped coming to church? And basically they said, well, God's not answering my prayers. He hasn't given me the house that I want, hasn't given me, me the job that I want, hasn't given me the money I want. And so I've become disillusioned. Well, the reality for that person was that their focus was on wealth, money and prestige in society through their home. But Jesus calls us not to focus on our immediate, not to focus on the things that happen today, but to focus on the future, to focus on the future that he has promised. And that's what we see from his interaction with Nathaniel. To give you a picture of why it's important and why it's helpful to focus on the future, I want to give you a story about somebody that's not not related to church, but a story that's related to real life. Does anyone know the name of Ronald G. Wayne, this gentleman? No one's got their hand up. Which is not unusual. Most people don't know who he is. I thought Jimmy might know who he is. He's actually one of the three founders of Apple. Ronald G. Wayne was one of the the third founder of Apple. There was Steve Jobs, there was Stephen Wozniak, and there was Ronald G. Wayne who founded Apple. Well, Ronald Wayne was so focused on the immediate and not the future, not the vision of what Apple was about, that at one stage he owned 10% of Apple, but he decided to sell it for $800. If he still held that 10% today, it would be worth $2 billion. Not only did he miss out on the money, and the money is not really the important part of the story, but he also missed out on the adventure, the adventure that Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak had, had with Apple. He withdrew from that story because he was more concerned about the immediate future. He was concerned about his reputation, what would happen if... Apple didn't succeed, what would happen if things went wrong, and also concerned about his $800. His focus meant that he missed out on the future. 
Well, today's reading actually encourages us and shows us that Jesus is inviting us to focus on the future he is making possible, not just the immediate. From John chapter 1, verse 50 to 51, Jesus says, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that, he then added. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending of the Son of Man. Now, here's the interesting thing about Nathaniel. Nathaniel's only mentioned twice in the New Testament. He's only mentioned in the book of John, in the Gospel of John. He's mentioned at the start. And the next time we'll hear about Nathaniel is if we go to the end of John and we see he is part of the group of disciples that are sitting on the beach that meet Jesus after the resurrection. He sees the resurrected Jesus. Now, there's some other things about Nathaniel that um, we should be aware of or, or scholars encourage us to be aware of. One of the things is he's, he's only mentioned in John, but no, in none, none of the other Gospels. The interesting thing, Bartholomew is not mentioned in John, but he's mentioned in all the other Gospels. Some scholars actually think they're the same person. But that's not really a big issue for us today. But what's important to, to memorise is that Nathaniel had seen something wonderful from Jesus happen today. But Jesus takes him from that point and says, don't just focus on that. There's going to be something far more magnificent, far more greater. Now, the reality for all of us as Christians, we have probably experienced something good from Jesus in our earthly life. As we pray in the Lord's Prayer, God has given us our daily bread. As we live in our life, from time to time, we've probably received comfort. We've probably received some encouragement from God. But our focus shouldn't be left just on this earth. We're encouraged to focus beyond, to the future that God has promised. So before we look at our text a bit more and how that helps us in our discipleship and having a focus of Jesus forever... There's some things to think about, things I encourage you to reflect on. First of all, what does it mean for you to have Jesus as your main focus for your life now and for the future? What does it mean for you to have Jesus as your main focus for your life now and for the future? It's a question I continually ask myself and continually encourage you to think about. The second question is, how does Jesus and his way of our life affect who you are, what you're involved in, and how you see life. How does Jesus and his way of a life affect who you are, what you're involved in, and how you see life? So let's have a look at this reading from John. Now open up some of the parts to help us see what it means to have Jesus as our focus because he has called us. The first thing to keep in mind is this. Jesus calls you where you are to a life of focusing on him. In our reading from John chapter 1, we see, and this is one of the, the calling narratives, the calling stories, Jesus calls Philip. He found him in Galilee. And then we see he calls Nathaniel. And interestingly, and we'll talk about how he calls in a few moments through people, but Jesus had recognised Nathaniel and called him from under a fig tree. 
If we go to the story of Jonah, we see that sometimes people sit under trees to gain shelter. Maybe Nathaniel was looking for shelter. Well, that part of the story for us and the, to help us is Jesus calls you wherever you are. To follow Jesus, you don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to become the perfect person. You don't have to get your whole life in order. Jesus simply calls you where you are. Now, those things may happen along the way in following Jesus, but have you noticed the stories of the disciples? I'd encourage you, if you haven't, read through the Gospels and take notice of the disciples along the the journey they are. You see that some of the disciples didn't have their life in order. Some of the disciples haven't got everything together. Sometimes they actually think they're better than they are. The truth is Jesus calls us wherever you are. There's a, there's a saying in the New Testament where Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. What we do is respond to Jesus' call. So remember this, wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, whatever you feel like, no matter how good or how bad, Jesus knows you and he calls you. From that place. The second point that our text encourages us to see is that we should expect God to use what and who people don't value. We should expect God to use what and who people don't value. And when I say people, I mean society don't value. Nathaniel asked, Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? And this is where Philip has said, come and see Jesus, and he's got the man from Nazareth. He said, Nazareth, how can anything good come from there? Now, it wasn't that Nazareth was a bad place, but the best way to think about this is probably like somebody who's raised in Sydney who would say, can anything good come from Brisbane? Can anything good come from there. In other words, people in Nazareth thought if any people of Bethesda believed if anything good was going to happen, it was going to come from there or it's going to come from Jerusalem, not Nazareth. And this was the same problem that many of the Israelites had in recognising Jesus was the Son of God. Is they were focused on what they thought God should be doing. They were focused on who God should have in place. They had this kind of attitude. And so from a worldly perspective, Jesus is the unexpected Messiah from an unexpected family in an unexpected place. As we live in our life, we should expect God to use what and who people don't value. And if you go through the whole story of Christianity, you'll see that there are weird people. They're not the perfect people. They're strange people that God uses and continues to use. And I'm one of them, and you're one of them. But the most key one is Jesus. And to understand the Christian faith, to understand Jesus We shouldn't be looking to what the world expects, how Jesus should perform, or what he criteria should have. 
we should be looking at Scripture. From a godly perspective, Jesus is the one. That's what's laid out in Scripture. The Israelites' problem was they weren't going deep enough into Scripture. Our problem at times can be the same. We can expect Jesus to be... We think, oh, Jesus should love everyone, so it should make everyone's life comfortable. But that's not always the case, is it? I'd encourage you to keep that in mind. Expect God to use what and who people don't use. When Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, he reminds them of this. He says, look, God chooses the things that the world sees foolish to use to bring his blessing and glory on the world. The third point our reading today highlights is this, and this is connected to that second point, is that God uses ordinary people to connect with others. God doesn't just operate by himself, but he actually uses ordinary people. And in today's story, we see how he used Philip. Philip had just been called to be a disciple, and then God automatically straight away uses him. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. And what did Philip say? Come and see. Philip is the connecting point. God doesn't need spectacular people, doesn't need people who are know-it-all. You don't need to have a a university degree or a seminary qualification or anything to to be able to be used by God to connect people to Jesus. And I encourage you to think about who in your life has helped you to come and meet Jesus. Who in your life has helped you to come and see who Jesus truly is? And then think about this. Who is in your life? that you can invite to come and meet Jesus. Come and see Jesus. Now, as I was preparing for this, I think a number of different commentators made this point. Very few people have been argued into Christianity. Occasionally, I think I know one person who was fervently against being a Christian and got into a lengthy debate with somebody, what they call an apologetics person, um, lengthy debate and ended up being argued into being a Christian. But ultimately, at the end, he was convinced because of Jesus, not because of the argument. Our call as Christians is to meet Jesus regularly, to come and meet Jesus, to hear the good news, to hear the grace, to see Jesus' approach to life. And likewise... The most effective evangelism that we can do is to invite people to come and see Jesus. One of our challenges as church, one of our challenges in being Christian, is that amongst the world, around the world, in the media particularly, Christianity and the church doesn't have the best name. And that's because people focus on the institution, Well, they focus on the people in the church, how bad they are. They pick out all the flaws. And I'm sure if you looked at my life 
long enough, you could pick out and highlight, you could highlight a number of my flaws or which are not good things. You know, and I've had this, you know, someone, some people have said to me occasionally, said, why would you want to be a Christian? You're just full of hypocrites. Right? Well, I can tell you, if I just focused on the people alone and all the flaws that we have in the church, or I focus on the institution, if you're with me long enough, you know, whilst I love being a part of the Lutheran Church of Australia, I also get very annoyed with aspects of their institution. But that's not what we're called to evangelise people to or to encourage them to meet. The best solution is to encourage people to come and meet Jesus. Because when we meet Jesus, we meet the true God. We see who God really is, how much God really loves us, and how far God is going to go to forgive us. And so one of the ways that you can invite people to come and see Jesus is say, would you like to hear some stories of Jesus and just... Go through the gospel readings and talk about those. It doesn't have to be overly complicated. You don't have to know everything about Christian faith. Now, occasionally people ask questions about creation or about rules or about other things. But God's encouragement for us, God's encouragement for us is to spend time listening to Jesus. So the fourth aspect that our reading today encourages us is what we started with. Is the Christian life in the future is far more magnificent than the Christian life today. The Christian life with God in heaven is far more magnificent than the Christian life today. Near the end of our reading we heard, Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that, he then added. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open up and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I don't know if you've ever done this, but occasionally what I do is I kind of sit and reflect on, I wonder what heaven's going to be like. I wonder what heaven's going to be like. Now, it's not meant to be a speculative thing of just trying to guess. Um, in that I hope it's my way, but I just wonder, based on what I've read from Scripture, and and a good passage I often go to is Revelations 21 and 22, to get a picture of what heaven, the magnificent of heaven, is going to be like. And the reason this is important is that, as I mentioned before, we can get disillusioned about our daily life as church. We can get disillusioned about... Things not happen. Now, Nathaniel, if we go back to the story of Nathaniel, Nathaniel was surprised that Jesus saw him under the fig tree and knew him. And that's what attracted him to Jesus. But if he relied on that sort of stuff happening, he would be expecting Jesus to do that every day to make sure his faith kept spectacular, to make sure Jesus would do something spectacular every day. And that's why Jesus pointed him to the future, to his real purpose. It's not about what he does in our lives today, whether it's, you know, we, I give thanks every day for the food he gives. I give thanks every day for the love and the grace that I see through our church community. I give thanks every day for the things that happen. But there are some days where our church community is quite average, 
quite frustrating. Nothing seems to happen. But don't lose heart. Our focus is not about what happens today. If you listen to some of the stories about people who have been heavily involved in church and then left, behind those stories is that they become disillusioned with what's happening today. And when I say left church, they've left Christianity because they've, their focus as a Christian was not on the future but on today. Now, it doesn't mean that good things don't happen, that some wonderful things don't happen, because all those good things are like samples of what heaven will be like. But ultimately, heaven's going to be far more magnificent than what we experience today. So don't judge Christianity on what is happening today, but judge it on Jesus and what he is promising for the future. And so as you live a life following Jesus with a focus on Jesus, remember these things. Remember you are called to follow Jesus from wherever you are. There is nowhere that God can't go to call you to follow him. Secondly, expect God to use what and who the world doesn't value. You know, one of the challenges we have at the, ch- at the moment at the church is we have, we want these standards of holiness and we have holiness from the world's perspective. Holiness really means just set aside to have time, spend with God and be used by God. But the world's perspective holiness is that you be perfect. You don't have a sin in your bone, that you have the right attitude. Well, have a guess what? God uses every single one of us, no matter who we are, not based on what we do or how good we are, but what God can do through us. Now, as we talk, mentioned in the um, forgiveness, Paul mentioned that he was the worst of all sinners, and yet he is one of the, the chief disciples that God used to spread Christianity throughout the world. The third thing, spend a life of following Jesus by inviting people to come and meet Jesus. And lastly, follow Jesus by focusing on the future with God and not today. Continually have your minds focused on the future with Jesus, with your loving Heavenly Father. And so I'd like to end with a a small parable. And the parable is about a building site. And there's three bricklayers. And this bloke walks into the building site and he walks up to the first bricklayer and the bricklayer says to him, what are you doing? He says, are you an idiot? I'm building, I'm, I'm, I'm laying bricks. Can't you see that? So he goes to the next one. He says, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a church building. And he goes to the next bricklayer and he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a place where people can come and meet Jesus so they know that they are loved and they have a future with God. A future with God which is going to be far more spectacular than this place. As you live your Christian life, don't just see what we do every day as the focus. Don't just see our church community as a focus. But see your life as a life of helping people connect with Jesus. The one who gives you and the one who gives them a future. 
a future where love will be far greater than you'll ever experience on this earth, a future which, where grace will be far greater, and a future where you'll be always loved by your loving Heavenly Father. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, pour down your Holy Spirit on us. Open up our hearts and minds so we know your grace and love. Help us to connect people to you and your grace. And as we live our lives, may our lives be focused on that you are always loving us and always, always wanting to show us grace. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.